So tonight before class, yoga, it, believe it or not, it got political. At yoga? Mm-hmm. No, come it on. Did. I know, and considering the teacher, I was super surprised. It wasn't bad, but my, my whole energy just kind of like sank. My head just went, mm, right oh, down between It's my the shoulders. one place you want to go and not have to think about anything like that. I know. She was like, so who watched the debate last night? And everyone just chimed in, and I'm just in the corner like, I really don't care. Practicing your breathing. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> in and out. Uh, in and out. What are you guys doing? The Landscapes and Pancakes Podcast. Wow. There are a gajillion aspects to the green industry. All right. I just want this podcast to be <laughs> real. Interesting. It's not as fun. What? But I think people go through this. I know. None of it makes sense. Seriously. We are the ones designing and we are the ones building. We respect each other. Respect. Well, I do think it's, you know, it's long overdue. It's time we got political on this podcast anyway. So let's just do it. Let's just hash it out right now. Just put it all out let's, there. Let's let's just lose half of our listening audience, no matter which way we go, right here, right now. Screw it. Wow, you're bold. Yeah. All right. Here it is. <laughs> this is funny. I, I've been thinking about this a lot, right? <laughs> We're just kidding. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about Donald Trump. We're going to talk about it right now. Okay. Because we, my friend, we set the bar. Donald Trump follows us. And I'm going to give you two very good concrete examples as to why. Listening. All right. We incorporated when? 2005. Okay. Well, according to Wikipedia, maybe I'm off just a little bit. All right. So <laughs> bear with me, right? 2004, The Apprentice is on, I think that, yep, Wikipedia says that's the first year of the show. And I, I didn't really watch the show, but I do know it's either that year or the year after they used to break up into teams and they had to name their teams, such as such companies, such as such corporation. So one of the teams was named self-named Magna Corp, which we didn't know. Because so we don't watch. Well, we didn't watch the show. We didn't watch the show. So every time I went to that stone yard in Johnson that's closed now, every single time, it was, hey, Magna's here. And I was just like, it's magma. No, I know. Thank whenever, whenever people called or I said that our name or I said who I was, they'd always repeat it as Magna. And it had to be from that show because we, we couldn't live that down for years, but it hasn't happened lately. I know. So every time I say our company name, I spell it out True. to this day. Magma. 15 years later, I still spell it I know. out. I know. and Mary. But a. we should, shh, let me talk now. We should talk about why we even came up with that name. Well, you came up with a name because I was stuck on, I don't know, not very... <laughs> Very good names. I I remember the leader in the clubhouse for me was, I think, Boulder Gardens. And you were like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> That's all I came up with. I'm like, <laughs> well, lame. we work with rocks and we work with, I don't know, plants. So there you go. Right. Well, so since we do get this question a lot, I think it's kind of a nice tie-in. So, you know, I think we read some book somewhere along the line hmm. that talked about this idea that you shouldn't name your company after you because people are always going to want you and then you are completely tied to that company in a way where mm. you can't give work to other people because people are going to start to just associate it with you and want you. So we decided that at the time 
we figured we would have a larger organization. And so we didn't want it to name it after ourselves. Plus, best landscape architecture. That's Yeah, that sounds <laughs> a little. Just mm. best landscape construction. I don't know. So no, you, you remember my stepfather thought we should name it Best Buy Design. And I was like, yeah, no, that sounds really pretentious. I don't even know what that means. He was so geeked up on the name. I don't even know what that means. So I started to go into my little philosophical world, and I thought intently about what the design process is like. And the metaphor that I came up with is that really the design process can be very deliberate and very slow Mm. and just kind of trickle out of you. Or sometimes you just have an idea and it kind of explodes out of you. And then I was thinking about what we actually do. And ultimately, we change landform. And so once magma comes out of the crust and becomes lava, Mm. that really becomes a landform. And magma has the ability to either explode out of a volcano or Mm -hmm. it slowly trickles out of a crack. Perfect. So in my little world, I kind of made all of these connections to come up with this name. And that's how it started. But the irony is that what we've come (laughs) to realize is that because Neil and I, in fact, are the face of the company, that people expect to always just be working with us. That's true. So (laughs) it completely uh, backfired anyway, (laughs) and we should have just named it Best (laughs) Landscape Design and Construction. Best Landscaping, (laughs) damn it. So we also wanted a bigger company. That's why we named it Group. And then we realized, well, we don't really want that. So... Mini group. Here we are. Okay, so getting back to Trump, right? Because this is all about politics on this episode. right, okay. I'm in Seekonk. We're building some stone pillars, or stone pillars, as some would say around here. And um, this guy rolls up, and he wants my business card. And me being the amazing businessman that I am. You had 20 of them (laughs) in your pocket. Never have business cards. Because even if I did, they'd be a disaster. So... I proceeded to tell him that he did not have them. I said, go onto our website. It's fairly easy. I said, magma, and I did spell it out. Thank you very much, Samantha. Like I always do, magmadesigngroup.com. And he was like, oh, yeah, like MAGA. I was like, well, no, like magma, but whatever. (laughs) But whatever. (laughs) (laughs) We we can't escape Trump, but I, I still say we set the bar and he follows us. Damn straight. (laughs) <laughs> well, listen, let's just uh, talk a little bit about what's happening today. Oh, by the way, getting back, uh, now that we're back from vacation, how's work? I've been meaning to ask you, is it awesome <laughs> to go back to work? <laughs> it's been interesting. Well, today was interesting because it was my first day in the office with me and Lisa and the homeschooled kids. Right, and one of our children. So that was pretty eye And the dog. Uh, school, I, school uh, work is, it's good. It's been, the, it's, it's a bit of a slog, I'll admit it. Just getting back into the flow and kind of working between what we're doing, which is a smaller project in Seekonk and now breaking ground in Bristol, but all, all gears are in motion, I think. Do you miss Ponca, Arkansas? I miss it, like, a lot. <laughs> because Cause it, I do. It was, <laughs> it was quiet. It was slow. There were no strip malls. There was not a lot of concrete. And um, the mountain biking was kick ass. 
Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Well, I just wanted to check in with you on that because um, I know it's not been easy for either of us to kind of transition back to real life. No. It never is after a vacation. I thought everything was going to be different when we came back. <laughs> just gonna be everything is the whole COVID deal is going to be cleared up. Be ready to just everything boom. was going to be glowing. Yeah. people were going to be happy because when we were out there on the road, man, it was all good. It was all it's all like good. nothing was going on. <laughs> uh. Anyway, we are very happy today. We have Joel Barnett from InStyle Gardens. Now, Joel works in Australia. Yeah, what's up? And we thought it would be really very cool to start talking to people out of the country as well, because I think ultimately we all have some of the same struggles, but certainly some things are different based on where you're working. And so we thought it'd be pretty cool. And so Joel is our first international guest. Yes, this is the Landscapes and Pancakes International. International series. I'm well. pretty excited about it. So we need more of these. I'm excited. Yeah. I just love learning from these people. Awesome. All right, let's bring them in. So I am over the moon to have Joel Barnett from InStyle Gardens. Now you're out of Grovedale, East Victoria, right? Australia. Yeah, basically in Geelong. So I just Grovedale is a smaller suburb of Geelong. Okay. Yeah, I, I was wondering the right way to kind of say all that. And we yeah. never would have pronounced that right. Nope. Had so he not done it first. Nope. So I'm glad you did. It's a strong G. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I also, we were just talking about how completely amazing it is that the technology is working so mm. well so far. So I know. And he's coming in crystal clear. It's a beautiful thing. This is the, the latest podcast we've ever recorded because it's 9 a.m. where you are, correct? Yeah. It's my earliest podcast, yep. There you go. So this works. <laughs> We're all newbies. I love it. Did you have your coffee this morning? Uh, yeah, I'm all, all set to go. Good. Awesome. Well, I know that Neil has a really, really important, serious question, as, yeah. as our first questions always are, that he needs to throw this at you. Is, we, we need to clarify. I need some understanding. So how does a gentleman like you, living in Australia, become a Seahawks fan? How does this happen? Well, it's uh, because of an Australian connection. So back probably, I think it was 2000 and I don't know, might be 13 or so, there was a fellow uh, from Alabama called Jesse Williams. Okay. So he was Australian um, D-tackle. And, uh, and it, uh, there's a news, news story about him being the first Australian to ever get drafted to the NFL. Ah. So I started following him in that year, his last year at Alabama. And then he got drafted to the Seahawks in the fifth round. But then it was extremely unlucky. So in the preseason of his first year, he did his knee, had a oh. reconstruction, so missed the whole whole first season. Oh. Second season, he came back. Preseason, he did his knee again. Oh my gosh! And then in his third year, preseason, he got cancer. Oh so my gosh! Goodness. He never actually played a game. Wow! But that's why I followed the Seahawks. But so he, he got all cleared now, and he's all fine, and he's living back in Australia. But um, but yeah, that's how I got started following the Seahawks and then uh, a year or two ago they drafted an Australian punter so I was pretty excited about that cool. Michael Dixon as well so yeah and we started this year off pretty well too oh yeah is the yeah. NFL popular there uh a little bit like people who like it like it and people who don't know about it yeah it's one or the other really um the Super Bowl is pretty popular okay. um, there's big parties about that but yeah, most of the season it's not it's getting bigger um but yeah, the NBA is probably a lot bigger than the NFL. Oh, okay. no kidding. But yeah. Well, you have a good, you have a good um, uh, national team. Yeah, 
like yeah. as in the NBA, uh, the NBA at, at the um, you know the uh, the Olympics, the the national national yeah, team, yeah. right? Yeah, we've got, yeah we've got Andrew Bogle was in it. He was a former number one pick, and Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. So yeah, some good players from Australia and Paddy Mills. Paddy Mills, yeah, yep, yep, I remember. Uh, Aaron Baines, he was at Boston, I think. Yes. Oh, oh he was Australian. Right. Yeah. yeah. He was, we miss him because he was our big enforcer last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And where it's a small ball team now and they, they, they could use his size. He was, he was a good player. He was a good player. Yep. He's still in the league. I forget where he went, but yeah, no, they didn't pick him up this year. Went to Milwaukee, maybe. I'm not Possibly. sure. Possibly. Yeah. He was just a beast. He looked like a football player. Yeah. Down low. Yeah, they're massive. It's yep. insane. Yep. So, so tomorrow our Patriots are playing the Seahawks. So I don't have a good feeling about the Patriots pulling that off. So, <laughs> they did all right last week. They did. They did. It's a different style of football, but it's, I don't know. Samantha is, um, she's a little distraught because she's a huge Tom Brady fan. <laughs> yeah. I am. And um, I'm pretty excited about Cam Newton because it's different. And uh, so far it's just, it's fun. So we'll see. It's a new era. Yeah. But I don't, I don't feel good. Going to Seattle tomorrow? Mm. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, the it's not one of the early games because the early the first games on um, Sundays is three o'clock in the morning for us. So that's that's when I get up to watch it. Oh wow! You'll watch it oh, live. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so you're a, you're a diehard football think, fan. Yeah, but I think in a couple of weeks you've got daylight savings ending, so then it goes till four a.m. and then our starts and it goes till five a.m. like four weeks after that. So oh, you can sleep in. More bearable. <laughs> yeah. Sleep in. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's awesome. Well, Joel, so um, for our listeners, we want to kind of get some of the um, basic information out of the way in terms of your company. So you are, are you design build in terms of your landscape constructions or do you do some designs that you build yourself and then you build other people's designs? Yeah, I, I say that we're like 5% design and 95% construction. Okay. Because um. Yeah, I do a little bit, but I'm better at construction, so that's what we focus on. And I find it more interesting to do other people's designs. Oh, that's um, interesting. That bigger variety in it. Um, and, yeah, uh, I'll probably do one or two good designs a year, really. Okay. But, but when they're good, they're good. But, <laughs> yeah, other people are a lot better at it because you've you got to spend more time on it. Like, I just don't have the time to focus enough energy on the actual design. Okay. So, yeah, construction is definitely what we're better at. And how but I'm wanting to transfer into more design the older I get, and so the less I can do on site. So that's plans down the track to start increasing that. Well, I would imagine that's going to make you a pretty strong designer because you're on site seeing the other, you know, styles of construction, detailing, and drawing that these architects are doing, plus you're building it. So that, that's, um, that's going to be an interesting transition. I think it would be pretty smooth at that point. Yeah, and it's, you can tell um, working off designs of someone who's been in construction, they're so much better. Uh-huh. They I love that you work. said that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, it's just chalk and cheese. Are you getting full, I imagine, full site plans with detailed grading and drainage and, and, and everything? Or on, on some designers' plans, is some of that left up to you to figure out? Yeah, some don't even include any heights on there. Um, so it's it's like a a dream come true when heights are included okay. on the on the plan. So you're... it'd probably be uh, maybe less than fifty percent of the designs we get have got the heights all taken care of. No kidding. Uh, there's no great. None of them have any. Well, one one designer puts grading on there, but no, none of the other ones do. But it, but yeah, we have, it's it's sort of hard to 
as a designer, I know it's hard to work all that out until you actually start um, building it. Always can change. So you're 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 responsible for setting like a the coping height of a pool and the height of a retaining wall and 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 all that all of that. Uh, Some, yeah, sometimes yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say though that you know you don't think of yourself as a designer or I think you said not a great designer that other people, but the fact that you do that, the grading is so much a part of the design mm-hmm. process that that's you're you're essentially designing you know what i mean if if your yeah. grading isn't correct then that screws up everything yeah so you're more <laughs> of an engineer at that point right <laughs> you know wouldn't go that far well well the drainage the grading that's huge so those are all things that i learned f- uh, primarily from working for a civil engineer um so w- we do all that in-house which is helpful um in terms of of the design process it's we can, I don't know, let's, we, we can cheat a little bit on the design because we know we'll figure it out in the field, I guess. Right. But yeah. even when we're designing, so I don't know if you know, we're, we are design build. Um, yeah. and, and it's just actually funny that you said that, you know, it, the design part takes up a lot of time for you and then not doing that allows you to focus more on construction. I mean, that is definitely a struggle that we have, I think, because we're trying to get everything done. And it is, it's a, it's a lot of work, but we definitely do all the grading in house so that by the time he has a plan, when he's in the field, he's actually working with elevations. He's trying not to figure it out. So will you, will you yeah. try to figure that out with your, say your pre-construction meetings on site and evaluations, you're, you're, tr- you're formulating all that information where you're going to establish your heights before you show up with your crew and start building. Yeah. Cause so when I get the design, I go out onto the site and, um, to do the quote, as I'll be, met, I'll be taking that into account then because you have to know That's what true. heights everything is at to know what mm-hmm. size the walls and stone and that sort of things are going to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so you sort of do it at that point. Uh, and then it might change as you go along where you make slight adjustments. But, yeah, that's the main time to do it. Interesting. So, so what size is your crew? What kind of crew are you working with? So I've got five guys plus myself. Oh, wow. Uh, so there's, uh, what have we got, three qualified one third year apprentice who's almost about to be qualified, a second year and a first year. Okay, so explain what that means, qualified. So you you have apprenticeships in the US, do you? We do. we do, but you don't have to necessarily. It depends what you want to do in terms of whether or not you have to be licensed in any way. So right. I think it may just work a little different here. So just explain. I think, yeah, I think the, the apprenticeships, we associate more more of that with unions. Right. right. And trades like Tra- plumbing yeah. and electricians. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are masons. Even the concrete union, there, yeah. There are masons, right. but. Right. So, yeah, so we don't, we don't necessarily, because we're not a union and we're doing residential work, some commercial, we, we, we just have employees. And, yep. um, yeah. Um, so yeah, so. The way we the way it's done in Australia is there's an apprenticeship you can do it in there plumbing electrical building landscaping um, so yeah, it's a four year apprenticeship and you'd say you'll spend uh, one year one day a week at school doing theory and the other four days a week on site oh. um, and they the wage starts off pretty low because they the skills are low so there's set wages for apprentices. Um, and then, yeah, so the first year apprentices in their first year, obviously, and then after the, 
they do three years of school, as in one day a week for three years. And then the fourth year is just on site. So once they've finished the school, I just sign them off. And then once you finish your apprenticeship, then you're qualified, a qualified landscaper. Oh, that's Do so cool. you have to have that in order to be a landscaper or to be in business as such? No. So it's a, it's a bit of a gray area in terms of landscaping here. So I've got my building license in structural landscaping. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, a limited building license. Whereas if you've got an unlimited building license, you can build houses. Whereas okay. mine right. is limited we have that kind of thing structural. Here, yeah. yeah, mine's limited to structural landscaping. So yeah, there's probably in Geelong, there's probably uh, 125 landscaping companies and there'd be maybe 10 that have their landscaping registration okay. building licensed okay so yeah most people do work that's technically illegal because <laughs> um, anything over sixteen thousand that's done in conjunction with the building or reno of a house has to be done by a registered landscaper uh-huh. but oh, because it's yeah it's not policed so you say really, any, so. anything over sixteen thousand you mean uh, uh, money money okay yeah interesting Interesting. So, yeah, so you have you have to have a contract, and you can only do a contract if you're registered. Now, I imagine, say, with what? So, we we have a contractor's license. Mm-hmm. Um, we're able to build um, a retaining wall to a certain height before we need to have a construction a, a, a supervisor's a license that is also limited. Yeah, right. And then, right. but have, it's state by state. It, all the states have different yeah. rules. Yeah, yep, so same. we live we live essentially on the border of two states. So we have all these. I have hydraulics licenses and all these different things from all these places. Um, so okay, so that that sounds very much similar. But I I would imagine being able to take these apprentices who are going to school for a year, they're vested in their education. That must be a huge kind of leg up on um, hiring. Yeah, well, it's because they it's it's a good way to do it because they start on a lower wage, which is when they're learning and they don't have a clue what they're doing. Right. Um, but I, a lot of the ones I employ are mature age apprentices, which means they're over 21 years old. Okay. Um, it means they're on a higher wage. So they're on a higher wage to start with, but they're so much better than the younger ones who are you know, 18. So you get what you pay for with them. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's a, there's set wages for different uh, ages, but... Yeah, I'll find that the mature age ones um, a bit of value because um, they've got a bit more life experience as well. That's true. And then it's nice because um, they have something that they can work towards. They know they're going to get to that goal for that next paging, uh, a pay increase. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, yep. I also and want- I tell them as well, if, they, if they're working for me, they'll get signed off early because we do everything and I'll get everyone to do all the aspects of involved in landscaping. So they'll... Once they get qualified, they'll be skilled, whereas uh, some other people we've tried to employ have been working for someone else who doesn't do the whole range of landscaping. Mm-hmm. So then once they get qualified, they don't actually have all the skills of someone who would work for me or someone who does everything involved in landscaping. Right. So being qualified doesn't mean that you're any good if you haven't got the skills. So you can still get qualified oh, okay. right. without knowing everything. But, but what I find interesting about that, so one of the reasons we started this podcast in the first place is because we feel like the green industry, at least here, doesn't get the respect that it deserves. So really anybody can kind of, and I'd love to get your thoughts on how it is in Australia, but so really anybody can kind of come in and start doing this stuff and, and say they know what they're doing, but there's not really any 
other than seeing what their work is, there's no real definitive way to figure out if they are qualified. So it seems to me that in your situation, the way that's working, there's this immediate kind of qualification that makes them um, seem more valuable and seem more valued. You know what I mean? Not just anybody well, can come and do it. And they're coming in with uh, an education too, right, well, which exactly. is huge right. because here, short of going on to college or maybe you were in more of a, a trade high school, um, short of that, you're not going to get any experience um, or even open to the world of everything that's green industry here without um, just jumping into a job somewhere. So at least yeah. with you, they're well, getting so exposure. That, yeah, the way I explain it is the ideal way to do it, but you can, anyone can just start their own landscaping business and do smaller projects. So there's, I know of a guy who had a second year apprentice. So this guy had been with him for maybe 18 months and then he put him off because he was no good. And then that guy went and started his own landscaping business. <laughs> so, um, so you can, people do do that. So yeah. that's, yeah, that's where being uh, a registered landscaper, you've got that um, basically quality behind you, like quality assurance for the client. So but when, once you get your registration, you're not competing with the bottom end of the market. Interesting. So I imagine from the end user, from the homeowners, if they're aware that you and your company and, and companies like you exist, that's, that, that's huge. So they just, they need to be aware that they need to employ these companies that are registered. Yeah, we're, we're a member of Landscape in Victoria, who's like an industry association. Mm -hmm. And they, they do a lot of education for the public in that they do radio ads that is saying fantastic. that you should be, you should be employing a registered landscaper. And yeah, so they, they help out with that. That is what we need. That is <laughs> amazing to hear you say that. That is so refreshing. That's, that's unbelievable. Well, so then back to my other question, do you feel like where you are anyways, do you feel like the green industry is valued? Um, it's, it's more so now than it used to be. It's, it's, you know, increasing, but extremely, not, not a lot. It's extremely slowly. So, um, yeah, the people who value it, value it a lot, but, but yeah, the majority wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought. You haven't got a lawnmower. In the back of your if you if you're a landscaper yeah which is surprising because the the imagery that i see on instagram coming out of your country sets the trend almost on every hashtag where you're talking about landscaping it's incredible i mean the landscapes and stuff the stuff you're working on I, I can't even i can only explain it as sexy man it's like beautiful and chic and contemporary and uh, it's just mind blowing. It's just all over the place. And some of the designers you're working with, I was scrolling through your page um, today in preparation for this, and a lot of people were following, like uh, Paul Ban Bangay. Am I saying that right? Yep. Nathan yep. Burkett, um, uh, even the uh, the um, the Hungry Wolf, the the Concrete Studio. You're yeah. working with all these really high end professionals to doing fantastic, beautiful work. It's amazing. Yeah, that only uh, happened in the last four years so prior to that I, so i started the, the business uh 11 years ago and then after i think f three or four years it was going well but um we had a job booked in with a client that was a big one and then he pulled out late when it was in the middle of winter 
Um, so we had no work to go to. And my first child was I think three months old. So I thought oh. I'd go and do something safe. So I went and worked at a bank instead of <laughs> landscaping. And then did that for a couple of years and then decided to get back into landscaping and have a different mindset and actually focus on trying to work in the high end of the market rather than just taking on any job that comes along. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did since 2015, got back in and started thinking how I can work for these Paul Bangays and Cos Design and work with Hungry Wolf, working with the top end. Um, So I was set about doing that. And then in the last 18 months, it started happening and it's pretty satisfying to be. So how did your how did your mindset change? What was it specifically? What what actions did you take to to make this happen? The second well, time I knew around. that the, our quality was good enough. We just need to get those jobs. So the designers didn't know about me. So then I we did things like the garden shows and pool and spa show, mm-hmm. so that people know about us. Um, and then yeah, I got addicted to them. So there's it's where a lot of my money goes into garden shows, but. Uh, and then, yeah, we, we got onto The Block, which is like a TV show here as well. Okay. Um, yeah, so it was just basically getting our name out there so that all these top designers know about us. Uh, and then once you get an opportunity, you got to nail it. Um, so when you get there, yeah, so we probably, you know, bought a couple of jobs in terms of quoting lower just so we can get that mm-hmm. and start to build up those projects. Uh, and now we're in the, now starting to hopefully start making money on them, which should be nice. Okay, so, <laughs> all right, so there's a lot there. I now, know. Can I go? Can I you hit go. you? Can I go? Go, 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 because okay. this flower show thing. I, I know, burning, but that's where I'm going. Burning your brains. So, we have flower shows year two, and... Yeah, but not like you. No, no, <laughs> These are, no. Well, all right, quick question before I talk about us. <laughs> quick question on your flower shows. Are they outdoors, and are they up for a prolonged period of time? We were just curious yeah, about yeah. that. Outdoors and they're up for five days. That's it. Oh, that's not. Yeah, that's not. That's less wow. than I thought. Because you are building some wow, yeah. intricate, yeah. expensive you, you spaces. Can't, you can't dig into the ground either, so it's all built above ground. Okay. So, so yeah, that's that like makes, that's like what we've done. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the flower shows that we've done, they usually happen in the winter, during our off season because we really can't yeah. build in the winter. Um, and so they're, they're indoors and yes, you're building on kind of concrete floors, but so we, when we first started the business, we started to do them for really the same reasons because we were trying to kind of get our name out there, but we have actually decided that because of the amount of money that you have to put into them, we felt like we just really weren't getting out. We weren't getting out of it nearly what we put into it. So we've kind of put a kibosh on it. Well, we thought that, but they keep – things keep trickling in years later from these shows. That's all I'll say. Maybe that's a discussion for another day. Just to, just to, you know, mess with our minds a little bit and make us wonder if we should continue on. But I digress. Well, but I think it's interesting, Joel, to hear how you've been successful with them, which, which kind of goes to the point of you have to just do what's right for your company. Yeah. And I also wonder yeah, if you value – Sorry, go ahead. It depends what your goal is from it. Sure. So when I initially was doing it, I was also thinking I'd get heaps of work from clients who see us there. Uh, and we get a couple every now and then, but it's nowhere near worth it. But, yeah, it was just, yeah, the, the designers and industry knowing about, yeah, here's the way That's that it has paid off for us. That's interesting. Yeah, I remember we, we kind of got lucky the first show we ever did. We won Best in Show. 
And Ugh. we literally thought our lives were going to change. Like this was. <laughs> we're going to get so much work. Done. We're going to be. Nope. We can't. We're going to be throwing work away because we can't take it on. But that did not happen, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because I don't think. You're right. When we first started, I like what you say about your goal. Because when we first started doing them. I think our goal was to get work as opposed to mm. just being known. And so maybe if our attitude changed. Yeah. I think that was our attitude, to be honest with you, for the first 10 years in business. It was just get work, get work, get work. Because as you know, it's, it's such a, it's a hustle. So you're, 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 well, I, I don't know what we were always paranoid that we were going to run out of work. So, um, mm to take a step back and realize, no, it's, it's the designers, it's the builders, it's these people that we need to focus on. It's hard to find the time. Do you worry you're going to run out of work? <laughs> no, we've, we're booked out for uh, eight months at the moment and we're getting 10 inquiries a week. Good wow. You. So, so the market yeah, there is it's just hot? Is that? That's, yeah, I don't know if it's because of the uh, COVID, because people are sitting at home knowing they're not going to be able to travel. Um, if that's got anything to do with it, but it's honestly never been busier than what it is right now. Interesting. Now with COVID, Samantha, you had some um, questions I know that you wanted to ask because I thought. Oh we well, I just I just wanted to say that you know we just saw that Australia went into a second lockdown, right? Kind of a second lockdown period. So I think we'd be remiss if we didn't kind of talk about how that's affecting you guys. Like, what's going on in Australia with COVID? And what does lockdown mean? you guys yeah that's a good question um so the <laughs> okay. second wave has pretty much only been in victoria which is the state we live in right okay so that's like 20 percent of the country oh. um but in, in saying that melbourne is like so melbourne's the capital of victoria that's worse than the regional areas of geelong so uh, of victoria so v victoria's got a population of uh six and a half million and five million are in melbourne oh wow um, so they're they're on stricter restrictions than what the regional areas are. And because we're regional, we're pretty much unaffected by it. So okay. Just extremely lucky to be in Geelong at the moment. Interesting. Um, but so basically people in Melbourne won't be able to work. I don't think you can work on a site if no one lives there. So if it's a construction site, but there can only be five people on site at any one time. So that includes any uh, electricians or plumbers or builders or anyone so that's gonna take um, a long time for those projects yeah <laughs> and that's until i think the 26th of october oh, uh, wow. and there'll still be there'll still be so if someone lives at the house you can't work there at all uh, wow, until wow. that time and then even then i think it's going to be number restrictions of five per site again um so yeah people in melbourne it's really tough for them at the moment so wow just extremely lucky that we're down here in geelong no, yes, honestly, because there's got to be companies that exclusively do work there, and they probably must be almost at a, a halt. Because you, you have, yeah. um, I started talking to you on Instagram, I think over a project that you were doing in Melbourne, and it looks like that's on hold for you. And kind of, I think you said it was from either two months or like two years. You really didn't know when. Yeah, that was just a bit of a exaggeration on and nobody knows not to get too deep into it but do those restrictions seem a little extreme to you that you can't work on a job site if someone lives there but you're outside yeah absolutely especially because like it's one of those things the big gray area again that coming back to the building license with having to have that for landscaping is where considered uh in the construction industry with builders 
So it's more like landscape, which is just tacked onto the back of whatever restrictions the builders have. So they sort of make the rule the builders can't go to a house where someone's living, not taking into the fact that landscapers work outside, so we don't have any contact with anyone anyway. It's easy enough to avoid contact with the client. So, mm. yeah, it, it's extremely frustrating for the people who are infected, they're affected by it. Is that even accounting for the landscapers that are mowing and doing the maintenance on these properties there, technically? So I think they... They just, I don't know if it's next week or last week, but they're changing so that now that one person can go on site to do maintenance. Wow. So like lawn mowing and that sort of thing, but only one. So wow. I don't know how that is for safety if, you know, they're on a ride on lawn mower and it, something happens. There's alone. no one there to, yeah. you know, help them out. But Honestly. yeah, there's a lot of gray areas for everywhere with this COVID thing. Everyone's just making up things as they go. So well, not everything's good. Please, everyone. I'm glad we can um, relate, you know. We yeah. have something in common well, across the globe. Yeah. Well, for us, too, it was actually kind of the opposite because the way that they started with the shutdowns, essential businesses could still operate, and construction was considered an essential business. And because we are, as well, are kind of lumped into construction, we actually never got shut down, which we were incredibly thankful for. Mm. Um so it, it kind of worked. It worked to our advantage to be in the construction industry. Coincidentally, as, as you're saying that, I've got a notification, a breaking news notification that there's <laughs> been 14 cases today for COVID. Oh, wow. So that's how low the numbers are. And it's yeah. still, so that's for the 6 million people a, in the state. And a huge. 14 new cases. Yeah, in a huge state, um, like you're saying with 6 million. Yeah. Yeah, we could go on about the numbers <laughs> game yeah. for a long time. Um <laughs> So I won't go down that road or else my head might explode. So are your kids in school or are they completely virtual? So they've been, they're going back next term. Um, and that's only because we're in regional. Mm-hmm. And that's in, uh, I think, no, they're on school holidays just now, just this week. So two more weeks and then they go back uh, after that. But they're like, fine anyway. Like, they've been, the first sort of week of homeschooling was there's a few tears from kids and parents, <laughs> but then since then they've been fine. They finish before 12 o'clock once they get their work done. So, okay. um, yeah, pretty lucky. So some kids obviously handle it worse than others, but ours are pretty, um, yeah, lucky that they're fine with it. So how does that work? Because part of the, another reason why we wanted to do this podcast is we wanted to give people a real sense of what it means to be someone like you and own a business like this. I know, I've read on some of your posts, it seems like you work a tremendous amount of hours, which I think we can relate with. So so how is your partner and you square all this stuff away with running the business and now having kids at home and homeschooling? It's just, it's an interesting um, dilemma that everyone's having. So how are you guys doing? Well, my wife yeah, takes care of the kids a lot more than what I do because I'm working mm-hmm. more. And then on the weekends, we swap roles. Um, okay. But yeah, it's just something you just roll with as you go. Yeah. Um, the the homeschooling, there's some time where um, I'll come home to help out, like maybe once every few weeks with that. So yeah, mainly her again. But it's just like no one knows what it's like until you start doing it. Uh, even the teachers, it's all just sort of making things up as they go. Mm. So yeah, as long as everyone's all pretty flexible with, and they're not, and, and also because our kids are, um, you know, the oldest is nine, so in grade. Um, okay. Also, it's not you know, that critical of a schooling time. Whereas if they're in, if they're older, 
in year 10 or 11. Yeah. Now, is your, is your wife work with your business at all? Or are you guys, nope. That's I couldn't big, be further from it. That's like, a big no. Absolutely, yeah. No idea what's going on with it at all. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, that's w- not. When, when you stepped out, Neil, Joel was saying that his wife works on weekends and he works during the week uh-huh. and that they actually never see each other, uh-huh. which <laughs> I wondered if that was a problem, but Joel seems fine with it. I don't know if his <laughs> wife is. No, she's more fine with the mo- than me, yeah. <laughs> Whatever works, Joel. Whatever works. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so kind of getting back to talking about how you – have been working with designers, I was kind of curious from a builder's perspective, you know, what's your least favorite thing about working with designers? There's got to be something. What can um, we do better as designers for that's builders? That's a better way to phrase it. <laughs> <laughs> Without throwing anyone on the bus, yeah. how can we improve this relationship? Yeah, there's some designers like you, you look at them and think, oh, I'd love to work for that designer. And then when you sit, once you get a job with them and see what that's actually like, their design is and um, their abilities, it's, that's quite, can be quite eye-opening. Um, it's one of those things, you know, Instagram can be quite fake. So um, True. you see, you, you've got a perceived uh, perception of what they're like. And then they're, yeah, not quite as amazing as you think they would be. So, um, okay, yeah, give us an example. Saying, give us an example. I can't of, let you get off the of hook. Detail. Yeah, the lack of detail on designs is the worst part. Um, I understand some people, you know, there's a concept design and then there's more detailed designs and the client might even pay for a concept design. But it's, yeah, to be able to pass it on to quote to, you need to have some sort of information on there that you can quote off. Um, and then some things just don't work. You can see they haven't paid attention to certain things. And, that, and that's something that I see more, the more experience I get where I, um, like you say, I sort of design on site, so I start to see things. So, you, you know, five years ago, I wouldn't have realised those kind of errors. But the more experience I get, the more you can I can pick them up. Um, so, yeah, nothing major though. There's none of them, none of the designs we've worked for, I wouldn't work for again. Mm-hmm. So they're all, yeah, we've been pretty lucky in that regard. But has that ever hurt you in the long run in terms of your estimating? So if if they're not clear per se on their details or expectations. And then they come back to you and say, well, that's not what I wanted or that's what I I didn't expect that. Has that ever kind of come back to bite you in any way? No, my quotes I'm very detailed with because I don't want to, I don't want the client to be surprised by anything that's extra or think they were getting something that they're not or vice versa. So I include quite a lot in my quotes and everything, everything is all itemized on how much everything costs in terms of um, the turf will be this much, garden beds will be this, plants are this, lighting. Uh, I include everything, not just one lump sum at the end. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if anything happens like that, I'll show them this is what I've allowed for. And the design, you know, you've got the plans here and they didn't include that. So um, yeah, nothing having, nothing's happened like that yet, knock on wood. So are you getting, hopefully it doesn't. Are you using any type of um, estimating software that our listeners would benefit from or uh, on Excel or? I've got, or... got it here. It's a, it's a piece of paper and a there pen. There you go. Oh, look at that. Nothing wrong with that. I had, now, a, um, I had a, went to a seminar with a landscaper coach and they said they should be doing everything on Excel and doing all these bits and pieces. And they're probably right. But yeah, that's the way I do it. And it works. Like when, I, works. when we do a job, I keep track of everything that we spend. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I make any money on it. But again, that's just a piece of paper with a pen. And yeah, keeping track of everything by hand. You're getting paper 
paper prints of the plans or, or digital copies as well? Or is it just all strictly prints from these designs? Uh, we, so we get a digital copy emailed to me and then I'll print it out to quote off mm-hmm. and then we'll have that copy. And I'll use uh, Trello and have the design on that. Um, and uh, so then all my guys can access the design and if they've got, if they're at the job and we need to get something the next day, they can put a note on there saying we need to pick this up or so they can um, put things on there that everyone can see on that particular project. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's been a good app I've been using for the last couple of years. Nice. And now are you, you're, you're doing field work that I, from what I've seen on your page and you're doing all this estimating as well. So what's, what's the balance? Yeah, that's, it could start, it starts to build up a little bit too much and then I have to have a day off to just do quotes and designs because mm-hmm. yeah, you just get a bit too overwhelmed with how much you've got on and on the weekends all you're thinking about is what you should, probably should be doing some work on it. So yeah. I've, yeah, I spent a couple of days and got cleared of everything we had to do and then now when they're coming in, I'll work on it straight away, get it done and then just try and yeah, not have it, too much of it build up. So... I'm I'm kind of curious. Why did you decide to do this work? Uh, so I started when I was 21. So way out of school, I went and worked at bars and in hospitality, and didn't obviously didn't like that because it's a horrible industry to work in. It's Stop. working with drunk people all yeah. the time and horrible hours. <laughs> um, so a guy I knew worked at a golf course. So I went and worked there and liked working outside. But we started work at 5 a.m. So that wasn't ideal. So I knew that I wanted to work outside. And then, yeah, look, thought of all the different things you do within landscaping, so tried to get into that. So I went and actually studied horticulture for a year so that I would have a leg up over anyone else who applied at the same time. So that worked out well. So then my plant knowledge was good to start with. Um, and, yeah, I've loved it ever since. Like, I don't know how you can do it if you don't love it because it's a bit, yeah. a bit too hard. That is body. true. You, you, you have to be passionate about this. You have to be just crazy enough. Honestly, that's what we've always said. Yeah. Do you think it's the actual construction, the actual building of things? Do you think it's just being outside? Like what, what is it for you that ties you to it? I think it's the variety. Um, mm-hmm. So you're not going to the same work site every day. Um, one day, like we, it's funny, we can go in waves of we'll be building decks like three jobs in a row and then we won't do one for six months and do paving all the time. So there's so many different things that you do within landscaping that you can't get bored of it. Mm. Like no job is the same. Um, and I, like I find that hard when I go to a job, a client asking how much they think it's going to cost before I've quoted it. And it's just, you're just plucking a number out of the air because everything is so different right. within right. landscaping that mm. you can, there's no two jobs are the same or even close. Yeah, so that, that brings up an interesting um, thing that I want to talk to you about because I've noticed you, you have a diversity in your work and you seem to really not be afraid to do something new. Um, and for us, every time we've done that, there can be um, some, you know, profitability uh, problems. Problems. So <laughs> you talked about, you know, initially just – just doing those first few jobs and, and, and bidding them low to get your foot in the door. Um, one thing that we've noticed here through our observations uh, is really there's there's some bigger companies that have made, you know, a, a real good go of it, and they've really kind of grown exponentially. Um, and I've been for years trying to figure out what the formula is, and I think I finally have figured it out with some companies, not all, but um, there's – 
there's a streamlining process that they go through and you can almost see it start to happen where the designs relatively, for the most part, all start to look the same. Um, certainly the planting design, the same plants, the same kind of massing, everything's the same, the same type of stone, um, the same fireplace, the outdoor fireplace that they built here. They might tweak it a little bit for the next job, but it's still the same stone. Um, where when you're doing that, obviously you have a crew of masons that they build that first one, the second, the third, fourth, you know, fireplace that's relatively the same as they move down the line, they're starting to bang these things out. And really the profit margins, I imagine, are starting to go up. Um, so that, that can be attractive for some people. We've had a very hard time being able to do that. I, I, it's just not my personality. I don't really like doing the things, same things twice. So I wonder if you can speak to um, if, you've, if you've ever had to kind of synthesize through something like that or not, not so much cut corners, but think about ways to streamline if that's just not attractive to you or you rather just keep, you know, building different, different things and using different materials and really kind of pushing the envelope. Yeah, I consider myself more of a landscaper than a businessman. Um, so I could do other things that make more money, but I wouldn't enjoy it as much mm -hmm. and neither would my staff. So that's probably uh, the balance when they sort of move towards a bit more business so it can make some more money. But um, yeah, like you say, you're doing the same things all the time. Not like the, the staff don't like it. There's no satisfaction designing it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I can't, you can probably, I'd go and work in IT if I just wanted to make money. <laughs> yeah. So, but I wouldn't like it. So it's, you've got, you've got to enjoy yourself. You spend so much time of your life at work. It's true. That you might as well enjoy it rather than just doing it to make money. That's probably try and do a bit of balance, a bit of both. Yeah. That's great perspective. <laughs> So in that you're building decks and you're doing stonework and you're doing the horticultural you know, aspect of the business, have you found it a challenge to find employees that are willing to do all of those things? Because from our perspective and our experience, that has been an issue. No, not at all. Because like it, it's funny how often when we work on a job, the clients will tell me how hard our staff work. They mm -hmm. just never stop. Um, and that's because they enjoy what they're doing as well. So... Yeah, they're very similar to me and they actually enjoy landscaping. So, um, yeah, it's not, not easy to find the right ones. Like I've uh, fired more staff than I've employed uh, or who, who I've, you know, kept on for long periods of time. Mm. Um, and that's because I'd, you're better off finding the right people than just settling on the ones you've got. Amen. So, yeah. True. <laughs> True. So you got to know when to let go and maybe be down a, a person or two and, and push through and in hopes that you get the, the right person to come through. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we, that's something we've not been good at. Yeah, we, we found, I found through the years that, and I've actually, it surprises me, and I have to remind myself that not everyone's like me, where... Thank God. <laughs> true. A lot of people <laughs> do, a lot of people do just like... Saying. They, they like doing the same thing all the time. So they just want to do stonework. Like he, here, you've seen it, Samantha, there's this real... Um, almost disdain, like people think they're too good to go plant a tree when they do stonework. It's for to me, it's bizarre. Where to me, I would think that it would be refreshing to to switch it up that day. Yeah, that finishes off the job as well. Like do it now. Like I, we've worked with some designers who they do the plants, and I hate that because I want to do all of it. Yeah. Rather than saying we all would accept the plants, and everyone says, "Oh, the plants look amazing." Right, right, yeah. right. 
Isn't that the, that's the most, and I love stonework. That's why I do this business. That's kind of my specialty in this, this outfit here where Samantha is the plant person. But that day when the plants come in is phenomenal. Even when they're yeah. just laid out and they're not even planted yet. It just, yeah. the whole space changes. It's magic. Yeah. Me and my plants were magic. <laughs> <laughs> so we were looking at the other day, you had a post, you were doing a walkthrough on a project that you're on. And um, it was funny to me because Neil said to me, um, oh, it's just, it's just amazing how, and amazingly wonderful how flat that space is. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious about the actual physical landscape of the area that you work in. So we find ourselves, we're, we really don't have much elevation per se where we work, but we always find ourselves working on sites that have sloping issues. Um, there's like ledge, there's just always something that makes our life really difficult um, just from the actual landscape that we were about to change. Can you just talk about a little bit about the landscape that you work in? Are your soils clay? Are they full of stone? I'm just curious about what it's like to physically kind of work in the earth there. Well, it's quite fascinating how much it changes within Geelong. Um, like I was looking up land sizes before of Geelong and it's a thousand and 1,300 square kilometres. So that won't mean much to the US <laughs> listeners, but... I don't know. Yeah, I cannot do too, math. We're ignorant over here. That. <laughs> but it's a relatively big place and not a big population, but the the soil can change from uh, being pure sandy loam on the coast, where it's just a dream to dig down for a metre, to horrible clay out in other suburbs. Uh, and then that job that I did the video walkthrough on, uh, we when we started excavating, found the soil was absolutely amazing. It was incredible. So we stockpiled it and then spread it back on the same site. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah, it just – and then probably five minutes down the road would be horrible, rocky, you know, clay and just yeah, – it varies so much. But So there's flat areas of, of Geelong and yeah, hilly areas. It's, it's quite a big range. So there's certain suburbs, you know what the soil is going to be like and it'll be hilly. Um, but probably, I'd say, 90% would be relatively flat, hmm. what you consider flat. Wow. So, Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So how does that, those different conditions with the soil, the clay, um, the silt, the sand, how does that um, determine your base preparation, say for flat work or for walls and things that, that you're building? Uh, so depending on the wall, if, if you get engineering for it, they'll – have the soil sample or know the suburb so they'll know what the soil is like so they'll specify how it needs to be okay. um, but yeah you just basically got to go deeper and wider in sand and not so not so bad in the in the clay now um, are you able to build a wall to a certain height without an engineer is there a certain cutoff yeah we have here uh, one a meter so about three three okay. and a bit feet that's about the same no we're four four typically for retaining four. Okay. yeah 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 should have um, known that <laughs> yeah yeah you should have that's that's why i work in the office but uh, um well that brings me to something else we were just kind of discussing amongst ourselves just in terms of climate can you work in the winter where you are do you get snow yes that's something uh, i found interesting listening to yours and a, and a couple other u.s landscaping podcasts is how they seem most places seem to shut down in winter um but uh, I, I looked up something trying to i was trying to find a similar uh climate for the states you've got over there. And I think it's something around San Francisco. Oh, uh, wow. Temperate. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So the average in summer is probably around mid-20s, which 
I didn't convert that, but that might be around. <laughs> Where's my converter? <laughs> could be around 80, 80 degrees, maybe, or 80 or 90. Yeah, so yeah, I just have to say, but Joel, it's amazing that you have a sense of it being 80 or 90. We're doing the, the, um, from Celsius to Fahrenheit where Neil and I are looking at each other going, I have no well, idea what that is. I got to say, I knew what a meter was where some, well, we were having this no, conversation no. earlier. We, we also, I, we, were, we were having a, I didn't not know. I knew it was around three feet. I just didn't know exactly. Uh, so we were having this in-depth discussion about that and the Coriolis effect. Oh, we'll get back to it. But that's a whole nother <laughs> podcast, man. What's, is, it, is your freezing temperature 32? 32, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah so that's because the formula is like, uh, I think it's Celsius times 9 divided by 5 plus 32. So How do you remember that? Well, I mean, I just saw it. The funny thing <laughs> is. That's what I knew it was, yeah, plus. <laughs> okay. Plus 32. So we probably don't get below, uh, maybe, it's rare to get below 40 degrees Fahrenheit wow. yeah, in winter. Yeah, so the, the um, world the world works in mysterious ways, right? There's this, I believe there's this energy out there where, you know, things just, they just fall into place for a reason. Now, you were, we knew you were going to be the next podcast and we were taking a trip, a road trip through the States um, a few weeks ago. And for some reason, in the beginning of the trip, everywhere we go, I just check, uh, you know, the, the average um, annual temperature, but, well, by month, every place we went. So I'm trying to get an understanding of it. And everything's in Fahrenheit. Everything's great. Then halfway through the trip, for whatever reason, my phone decided to do everything in Celsius. And I was like, what the hell is this? I couldn't. Celsius? <laughs> right? What is Celsius? I don't know what Google what did, but that? Google is messing Being with me. freezing. Uh, yeah, right, right. Like, why is it so cold like, this here? Place is five degrees. <laughs> <laughs> it's summer for God's sakes. This doesn't seem right. Uh, although it did snow like the week after we left um, Colorado. So yeah. <laughs> actually, a couple of days. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, yeah we don't get any, any snow in Geelong at all. I don't know if I should be sad for you or think that that's amazing. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, well, within three hours, there's ski fields you can drive to. So, oh, oh wow, that's, that's awesome. wild. Three hours, that's great. Yeah. Wow, that's intense. So, another kind of general kind of question, you know, the wildfires last year, we heard so much about that. I, I sort of wondered how is Australia recovering from that, and how has the green industry kind of helped with that or been affected by that? Uh, I don't know how it's been affected. Most of it was in sort of rural areas, yeah. um, away from any major cities. Um, like that, during that time, the, there was just smoke in the sky for probably more than a month, I reckon. Wow. Was, yeah, it was a while there. Uh, I do know of a landscaper who got a crew together and went over there and helped out, and there's a lot of builders and that who did. But that's the hardest part about COVID has been for those communities affected by that because – when it was happening, everyone was saying, oh, make sure we all go and support these communities during um, like the, the holidays. And then COVID happened, so people haven't been able to get back there and support them, those communities that shut down. Wow. Um, but now the regional communities can as of uh, Sunday, so as, as of a week ago, it's because regional communities can travel within regional communities now because the restrictions are lifted. So yeah, a lot of people are going on holidays hopefully to those bushfire-affected communities now. So, because yeah. it'll probably but it's be, been doubly tough for them. Right, it'll probably be years of recovery, right? I mean... Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And they're so, they were so massive as well. And um, 
yeah, it's just insane when you think of how many uh, millions of wildlife died and all the people and properties. It's yes, yeah, it's a big country, Australia. Though. There's a lot of um, a lot of open space. Yeah, I was wondering so what 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 percentage of the country was actually inhabited. Um, because I think it's um, I don't know, I think it's about eighty percent or so. It's close to the size of the USA. Australia is okay, but our That's huge. our oh. population is um, twenty six million. Wow, yeah, we're thirty two billion billion. <laughs> Million? 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 Like 330 million. <laughs> 300 million. That'd be a real problem. A real problem if you're in the billions. I know. I'm coming off really uh, intelligent. This is, right like now. I said, this is the latest podcast Celsius? that we've ever what done. Is that? <laughs> a meter? The meter, the meter threw her off. <laughs> My fault. I started talking. Oh, yeah. No, I, I was I was curious about that. I mean, you know, when we were seeing the, the pictures come out, it was devastating. To see, and I mean, I know I, I donated to some Save the Koala Foundation because <laughs> it was just heartbreaking to see that. Um, and we are, you know, the the western part of our country right now is on fire yeah. pretty severely as well. It's mm. scary stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, it, it, one of the things I found interesting while we were traveling, something that we take um, for granted here was um, water and um, water rights in some of the mm. areas that we were. I was just curious um, where you get your water from. I know you're working kind of in the suburbs, but also in the cities. Is that is that all, are you working with wells or is are there reservoirs? Or is water an issue there, irrigation, these sorts of things? No, it's, it's all mains water, so I don't even know where it comes from. Um, but every all pretty much, I don't know what percentage it would be, but most people in um, certainly Victoria have got just water that comes from uh, just straight from the tap from mm. wherever the, mm. the council dams are really so yeah, yeah there's not an issue at all like there's uh, probably I don't know 15 years ago there was water restrictions because we're in a bit of a drought right um, so you're supposed to only shower for a certain amount of minutes and you weren't allowed to water plants or the grass um, so we went through a period where we were pulling out people's grass and putting in gravel because oh. they couldn't water it and keep it alive and then, then we the restrictions lifted on that. So then we went back and ripped out all the gravel and put grass back in. <laughs> Are you doing any artificial turfs? Yeah, yeah. I've got it in my place. I don't mind it. It's, um, yeah, it, there are days it gets hot where you can't go on it, but you don't really want to go outside those days anyway. And it's only a few days a year. Okay. Um, I certainly appreciate it's not a sustainable product, but yeah. Well, not yep. sustainable, well, but, but not, but right. you're not watering it every day either, which well, you're also not fertilizing, and you don't have that that runoff. So there's definitely a give and take. The heat index rises a little bit, I suppose, but you're not polluting the groundwater. Right, right. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm surprised to hear you say that about um, water not being an issue in Australia. I mean, I thought I thought Australia was prone to droughts. I would have thought groundwater would have been well, maybe where an issue. Not there. Nah, that's true. I don't live pretty there. Much, yeah, nowhere in the main cities. Like that's why it's it's kind of you know it's such a big country, but it's focused in you know, around the capital cities in each state. Mm. So it's not um, it's not spread out a lot where there might be more issues there. But no, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know the USA had any issues like that. I just assumed it was all the same as what it was here. There's yeah, some well, places yeah. uh, down here that have got access if there's a river going through their property, they can get a permit to access from the river 
Oh. But um but no, there's no yeah. It's we're yeah. probably a bit lucky, I suppose. Yeah, we felt that way on our trip because some of the areas where we, we were in in Colorado, they had um rivers passing through the back portions of people's properties, but upstream there was um a water rights issue with um cattle cattle um, farmers so they had the right to divert that water away so downstream yeah. it was completely dried up it was, it was really in seasonally but completely dried up this time of year right well the people that had the wells there so we stayed in a little cottage yeah. and they warned you you know just be careful of your water usage because it could run out it could <laughs> run out <laughs> essentially yeah. which uh, you know we were kind of surprised about but there's definitely i think a lot of communities in california in particular you know that they go through um water restrictions and even locally where we are on the other side of the country different towns will have water bans where you can't water your lawns i mean mm. this happens almost every year it's been a dry year too. Um, yeah. yeah a lot of uh, you know if you're in the city you're on you're on city water but we're in a more real rural community so we're on wells um and a lot of people are on wells so you do have to kind of be aware mm. of what you're yeah. using yeah yeah there's certainly places in yeah more rural areas that have ball water so they've got yeah, groundwater somewhere that they tap into. Um, but yeah, it's, the vast majority is just on city water. Do, do you do irrigation as well, or is that a whole different... Wow. Yeah, we do that as well. So, yep. you, so you do the irrigation, the planting, all the stonework, and you build decks. It's pretty impressive. Yep. Pergolas, for good measure? Uh, only, only timber ones. The, the steel stuff, we get another guy to do that. Nice. Nice. Um, I had a question about, I'm sure you did. Okay. <laughs> so one of the projects that really caught my attention with you was, I believe it was the Melbourne project we touched on earlier with the bluestone paving. Um, yep. and it looked like it was in new England. It was amazing. Cause we, we have what we call our, our bluestone, but that's from Pennsylvania and New York. Um, it looks very similar and the aesthetic that you were building with just reminded me of home. So that was pretty cool. Um, and I'm wondering what the, the sequence of construction is with that material. I noticed you're, um, pouring a slab and building up off the slab. Yeah. So with that one, because of the irregular shapes of the bluestone, we had to lay there, lay the bluestone out mm, and okay. then, <clears throat> um, mark where they were going and then box the concrete up to that. So we had to, yeah, and they were probably, I don't know, I'm just trying to work out how many kilos they would have been and converted to pounds. Kilos? So been, what? 100, 110 pounds, some of those pieces were. Okay. Um, so they're not easy enough to, not that nice to move around. Um, but yeah, I had to pick them up, put them down, mark it, pick them up put them down, pour the concrete, and then lay them again. So it's you know, very labor-intensive, but... Yeah, um, the end result was really yeah, cool, but good. the forms themselves was really intriguing. When I saw the way you, you formed that out, when I saw the slab, I was like, what is going on here? It looked really cool, really cool. Yeah, that's something I've found interesting, uh, again, with the USA, but well, when you've got the ground freezing so often, how uh, a lot of places don't even do it on concrete, mm -hmm. don't do their right. paving on concrete. Yeah, it, Is that it, because of the, the ground freezing? So... Yep. Expands and contracts. Yep. So we're building more of a flexible system. I like to call it. Um, we know that that ground's going to move. So our frost here is down to 42 inches per code. So anytime we put a footing in for a pergola 
or even a, um, a, a structural foundation wall for a garage, we have to excavate to 42 inches. Um, yeah. And that's where our concrete begins if you don't want it to move. Okay, so with a patio, that's not practical. Oftentimes, we're just digging out the topsoil, um, the flexible soil, the soil that um, holds, you know, moisture. holds moisture and, and moves and flexes and freezes and thaws. So um, a lot of the movement now, which is great, is we're, we're digging that soil out, and then we're building with a bigger, open, clean aggregate, like an inch and a half or a three-quarter inch stone compacted. And then we'll set our stone on a three-eighths stone, an angular stone. Um, and the theory is, that it is a flexible system. It is moving to a degree, but that movement, you're really not noticing it because of everything below is, is really just allowing that water to pass through and move away. And yep. then once we start setting things on mortar on, stop, on, on top of concrete, eventually those things can move and flex and pop and open up. So, yep. Yep. so we, we've, done, we've done that more flagstone, like what you would call the crazy paving style. And even in, in travertine, we've done it with in bricks and concrete pavers. We'll set it on, on that type of system. And it's worked, it's worked really well. Um, yeah. So do places that where it doesn't freeze as much that I, that I need to do that sort of depth? Um, probably not. I think, I think it, it, and that also depends, too, on some of the soil conditions. So if we have a, a real clay soil, we'll take out even more. We've had to take out, in some cases, 18 inches of, of depth for a patio. Um, and with that being said, we've had to do some subsurface drainage underneath the patio. Cause once you dig out that hole for a patio, if you, if you envision a rectangle on the ground, that's dug out like a shallow swimming pool, once yeah. that water gets down to there and that ground's frozen, where does that water go? So we'll yeah. have essentially, um, perforated drains at a low end. So we'll, we'll dig the, um, the profile of that excavation to pitch in one direction underground. So on top of that soil mass, a vision that freezes, we'll pitch the water down to a low point and then we'll have a pipe that collects that water and outlets it somewhere else. Yeah. So it's, it's, it can get intense depending on the soil conditions. <coughs> yeah. I was going to say so a lot of it has to do with the soil conditions. Yeah. Um, Neil, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. What does this question what? mean? Yes. Does everyone wear blundstones? What yeah, is that? You don't know what, what, is, what is that? You don't know what blundstones are? I have no idea. I have a pair. Do you know, Joel? Yeah, I know. Not everyone wears them. A pair of that's what? A pair of what? Yes, uh, steel cap work boots. Boots. Oh. So oh. I don't, I don't, we don't have steel capped here. Yeah, right. The black boots I have, the ones you slip on, they're super comfortable. Is they it an Australian thing? Uh, the ones I use are called redbacks. Uh, they're made in Australia. I don't know if Blundstone are made here. Um, so, yes, I support Australia with my with work boots. But, yeah, everyone wears steel-capped work boots here, so just for more safety. They're super comfortable. Well, I'm just looking at this yeah. question. I'm like, what does that mean? Is that like a piece of jewelry? No. Is that what, what is it? I have a whole list of, of questions. So I might have slip-ons as well because I don't, I don't want to have to tie my shoelaces off. Yeah, the black slip-on boots that I have. Oh, well, yeah. I didn't know they were called blundstones. I thought it was earrings or something like. Well, the next, the next note, the next note is awesome because I noticed that you call thunderstorms crackers, which I love. Right? Am I right or am I wrong? What? What are you calling? Cracker? Did you say something? Was it you had a cracker on one of your job sites? I thought you were implying it was a thunderstorm. Nah, no, nope. that just means it's something good. Possibly. Uh, that was wrong. Oh. You learn something new every day. <laughs> 
yeah, I do get a bit loose in some of my um, captions in the Instagram. In which you should, I think. So Instagram's a funny thing where I've gone back and forth um, where I, I get paranoid that potential clients are looking at it because we've actually started to get jobs from Instagram, which kind of blows my mind. I never saw that happening. So I'm always, you know, sometimes I think I have to have this very professional all the time, you know, display of, of content. And lately I'm just like, whatever, man, I am who I am and we yeah. are the business. So here's my personality, love it or leave it. So why not? That's it. Like you're you're going to be the person who turns up on site. So yeah. you can't hide who you are. Yeah. So you might as well show who that is straight up. I think so. It doesn't, sh- doesn't hurt to show a little personality. What no, do you, what do you think? Benefit. What do you think about social media? How do you use it? How do you not use it? Could you live without it? Or do you wish you lived without it? <laughs> no, I could live without it, but I absolutely love it. Um, I've made relationships with um, other trades just through Instagram. Mm. Oh, there's a pool builder we've worked with. We just yeah, met on Instagram, um, you know, commented on a couple of each other's posts and then uh, yeah, talking to each other about a job together. And yeah, so I love it. That's great. Um, yeah, and there's obviously a negative side to it, but yeah, you know, if you focus on the positive, you realize that's there's more positive than negative in it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree, and I think that's why it's important to show your personality because you, you at least you're putting the real thing out there. You're not pretending. Whereas if you're pretending, it's in the back of your mind, and it's, I think it's just kind of like bad energy. So, right. um, but so that y- does go just to the um, to the idea that you were kind of mentioning before, though, that sometimes when you see stuff on Instagram with some of these designers who shall not be named, <laughs> but <laughs> you're just saying, you know, you realize, oh, well, they're not really fully doing their job and now I'm responsible for all this. So mm. you, you know, you still, people can kind of build themselves up to be something that's not quite real. So I guess with anything, you just have to kind of be aware of that. Yeah. Like if you, if you make a mistake on a job, I'm not going to do a post. I have a look at bad. I did this job just right here. So <laughs> Yeah. But I think people understand not everything is as it seems on Instagram mm. um, to a point. So, oh, yeah, yeah. shopping you. or something like. I know that was a good point too. Oh, there you are. We lost yeah. you. You're making a you were making a great point about Instagram. So the you floor started, is yours. Yeah, sir. you started to say that you people understand that not everything is real. Do you remember what you're saying? Yeah, I think um, yeah, people understand that not everything is real. Well, I think it's gonna happen again. <laughs> now you can you can you can predict it. This is getting better. <laughs> um, what did I say initially before I said that? Um, well, I was making the point that you kind of realized that some of the designers weren't necessarily oh, yeah. doing their jobs. And you're not going to put any, a mistake on there. Yeah, right, true. right, right. 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 Yeah, so I think you're not going to, if you make a mistake on a job, I'm not going to do a post saying, have a look at this mistake I just made. How stupid am I? So I understand, people understand that not everything that happens on the work side is on Instagram. So you're only going to put on most of the things that you're happy with to show. Yeah. So they realize that not everything on Instagram is real, but as long as what you do put on there is actually work you've done, 
and you're not, you know, photoshopping something to make it look different. Mm. I think that should be fine. Interesting. I've, I've actually, I've, <laughs> I've put uh, probably twice mistakes that I've made on Instagram just to do it. And honestly, it was like great therapy for me. I was like, hey, look what I did. I screwed this up. Now I got to fix it. It's kind of funny and, and interesting, interesting to do. Not that I would recommend that, but why not? But it doesn't make you human, though. I mean, yeah, I and, guess. and other people oh. can learn from that's it. True. Well, people make mistakes every day. Like that's true. There's yeah, that's how you learn. It's funny I, with my guys. Every time I make a mistake, I say the same thing. I say, "Well, I make one mistake every year, and that was it." And they just look at me like, <laughs> "Whatever." <laughs> it, like just last week, actually, we were setting up. <clears throat> excuse me. Just last week, we were setting up an irrigation system, and the client. Um, told me that he wanted an extra one for the veggie gardens and he said i'm happy to pay for it but i said no i probably should have realized that you obviously get a water the veggie garden differently to the to the rest of the garden so we should have done that initially so um yeah i'll just add that in for free but that's and then i told my guys about it that when we're thinking about the irrigation obviously we should think about each how many zones we need and veggie garden should have their own one Mm. but that's that goes that goes back to when you are a full-time designer, when you're 20 years older, you're going to have that knowledge base from all that field experience for sure. Yeah, that's another thing. Like the, the plan for this one didn't have, you know, irrigation zones or anything like that. So whereas other plans have that we've had. Oh, so. okay. Yeah. Is that, that an a- is, is that an asset for you? The fact that you do all these different elements of the build? So you're a one-stop shop from a designer standpoint, do you think? Uh, it can be a blessing and a curse because sometimes a client might ask me for my opinion on a certain thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I might have a different opinion to the designer, but the designer's got us the work and that's their vision. So my opinion, even though it might be different, yeah, you don't want to upset the designer. So how do you work <laughs> so, that scenario? I mean, I'm sure every situation is different. So how do you tactfully navigate that, that whole thing? Especially if you see a problem. Yes. No, if it's a problem, then it's always yeah pointed out straight away. Um, but if it's just something on aesthetics, then that's just my opinion, so I don't have to pass that on to the client. Uh, I'll just get it. I just might say, it's just to the designer, you could try this. So then it's the client talking to the designer about it. Um, or I might talk to the designer and say, I provide that um, solution before we talk to the client about it. Mm. And then it can come from them. So yeah, it, like you say, every every situation is different. But if it's a if it's an issue, then I'll definitely sit, yeah say something about it. Um, I'm curious too. We started to talk a little bit about the stonework that you do, but we always when we talk to people from different parts of the country or the world, we always like to know what kind of stone you actually have to work with. And where is it from? Are, is there native stone to Australia that you're working with, or is it being imported? So the blue stone on that uh, that middle park job in Melbourne that you would have seen. So and that's something I've spoken to you about before, Neil. I think our blue stone is basalt and yours is sandstone. Oh, so yours is super is hard. Right? Wow, basalt. Yeah, that's really, really dense, right? Yeah, yeah. So, that, so basalt is what we call blue stone. Uh-huh. Uh, and you, some of that we get from Vietnam or China, but that stuff was from um, Warrnambool, or Port Ferry, sorry, which is three hours away or three or four hours away from Geelong. Okay. Um, and in New South Wales, their local stone is sandstone. 
Mm. So you'll see a lot of sandstone block wall, uh, retaining walls. Like, mm. um, and it's like a, a yellowy orange kind of or creamy. Well, I was going to ask you it. the colors on that because years ago we were, um, there was a stone yard that was importing sandstone, but I think it was from India, but it was just these really beautiful colors in buff and tan and sometimes it was there's a slight kind of rainbow mixing effect to it yeah. is it kind of like that nah, nah. Well, yeah, it probably is it's a lot it's a bit more um light uh, set paired back than that like we've used that sandstone as well it's like a rainbow yeah on a stone yeah um but yes yeah, so that's why they're using new south wales in south australia they have a bit of granite but that's not very popular i don't think they have a lot of it there hmm. and then western australia is limestone which is like we've used that once before, and it's absolutely incredible because you can see like um, coral in the stone. Oh, what color is like it? Is it? It's white. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen. I feel like I've seen a I lot. I think of we've white seen a lot. Stone. Yeah, a lot of white. We've been wondering. Yeah, what that was. There's another designer. Yeah. Um, is it outside by Denise? Is that outside? Yeah, she's from. Yep, she's from Western Australia. A lot of white stone. Yeah, really, really pretty. The way she uses it. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Now the, the some of the the flagstone or the crazy paving that you're doing is more some earthy tones in it too. I've noticed. And um, there's a pool project that you just recent you had a, a nice drone shot of recently. Yep. So that's uh, a quartz. Okay. So that was uh, that's imported. I don't know where that comes from, but yeah. But there's a lot of stone we use is imported as well. Mm-hmm. That's that. interesting that you were just saying that there's not a lot of granite. We are, I think, pretty blessed here because we have a t- of granite i would say that's probably one of the major stones that we have and different colors of it so we have different tones of gray um cream colors we have pink yeah blues it's it's pretty intense yeah 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 Yeah. it seems a lot softer to the stone you use um, to be able to get those really tight joints that you do okay so you're yeah you're probably looking at so our blue stone being sandstone i imagine is easier to work than the basalt yeah um yeah does the basalt, the, the basalt, does that have, what's the texture? Is it, would it be slippery? Is it more like a sandpaper texture to it? The, the yeah, portion probably close. Want? It can be a little bit slippery, but yeah, it's sawn stone. So okay. it's, yeah, not perfectly smooth. It just got yeah, very slight saw, saw cuts in it. Yeah. So our blue stone would be either natural cleft, which is the, the face that's naturally split. Um, so you'll see some dips and valleys in that, um, some nice shapes and, and formations. And then a lot of our bluestones actually thermal finish. So that heat treatment, it just, it, it, it takes that sawn cut, that honed finish and gives it a real kind of gritty sandpaper texture, which looks yeah. nice. And it's, you know, slip resistance there. But I think you're probably thinking about our Goshen, Goshen stone, stone yeah. which is a, a mica schist. And that is yeah. super forgiving. I mean, it's like butter, like butter, baby. <laughs> you could, you could basically trim any shape you want. If you have enough patience, once you get used to it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. very, very forgiving. Yep. And that stuff we all set, we set all of that dry. So that's all on that, that pervious system that we do. Yeah, how thick is it? Oof. Some of the pieces are up to four inches, man. It is yeah. heavy. And, and we're, we're doing, um, I have two, um, back machines the lift vacs, one's a, a two-man job that does like 350 pounds. And then one I put on my excavator and I can lift like about 1,500 pounds, but it doesn't always lift that stone because that stone 
is so clefty. There's such a, a gnarly kind of um, texture to the top that it's not always doing the trick on those. So yeah, that, that's, that's something I've noticed as well. Like we don't have a lot of those, or not a lot of people use those type of products in Australia. They're stone lifting mm-hmm. products, so they're yeah, life be, changing. Maybe soon. Yeah, I'd be maybe worried soon. they're going to drop off. Uh, they are, you know, at first it's a little, I, I still tell my guys, don't make sure your feet are under, underneath this thing. <laughs> but I do a lot of, um, monolithic steps, big chunks of bluestone and granite. And we just, we suck them up and we set them down. So it's, it's changed the way we work and it's, it's saved a lot of labor. It, it's a morale booster. Yeah. I'll tell you that much and a, and a time yeah. saver. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's definitely a level of efficiency Yeah. to using them too. Yeah. Yep. So. Hey, Joel, have you ever been to the U.S.? I was just curious. No. No, New Zealand and Fiji is the only places I've been, and they're both oh. within four, hour, four hours of Australia. So well, that amazing. sounds amazing. Oh, I've only been to New Zealand. Oh, and Fiji. That's my dream. I know. That's amazing. Uh, that's all the eye but candy. Yeah, if, if I go to – I do want to get to the States one day and um, go to a Seahawks game <laughs> back when they've got, when they've got fans there. You got to go while Russell Wilson's still quarterback, though, because he's amazing. Yeah. So Actually, sure. no, I've been to Singapore as well. I went there for the Singapore Garden Show. I just did a fly in, fly out. Wow. Oh, wow. One day. Wow. Um, but yeah, with kids, it's a bit harder to go a long way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, we've never been to Australia, and that is definitely on our bucket list. No doubt. For sure. Maybe we'll come visit. Especially since yeah. any, everything that Neil's ever learned has been from The Simpsons cartoon about australia so i'm not sh- i'm sure. not sure if you know the simpsons or not but it's all it's all accurate is it <laughs> is it <laughs> they had the great they had the great the great episode where lisa was trying to explain to bart the coriolis effect and they, they went to this whole thing about the equator and she said you know everything south of the equator the water moves help me i think clockwise Yes, yeah, I don't clockwise. I don't so Bart remember. spins the globe around, and he points to the first country he sees, which is Argentina, and then he puts his finger down on the globe, and he goes, oh, and you mean Rand McNally? As in, Rand McNally was a state, because he's, he's Bart Simpson. It's but see, it's the name of the globe. Did you know that Rand McNally is the name of the globe company? No. Okay, well, see, it's not, well, it's, it's not. Well, maybe they have different globes there, but well, you should have known that, because our globes are <laughs> Rand McNally. All our maps as a kid, so. It's a little logo at the bottom of the globe, and he points to it, and he goes, oh, and Rand McNally. And Lisa's just like, oh, my God. And I'm like, what? I didn't get any there. All right, I'm not alone. <laughs> All right, so before we wrap up, tell us – let's answer three simple questions because he's from Australia. I want to know. A band we should be listening <laughs> – A band we should be listening simple? to. A book we should read. And what else? Oh, that's let's so much pressure. Here. I can't remember that kind of stuff. Just tell us stuff. three awesome things that we should go research. About Australia. Uh, but give us a I've band. Been, I've been, a lot of the music I've been listening to, I've been flashing back to when I was 20, so back 17 years ago. So I've been, I've been uh, listening to The Darkness at the moment. I don't know that. Okay. Okay. I'm going to look at that. I'm going to look it up. Yep. Um, and also, another, actually another, a good song, if you like, a bit of electric guitar and a little drum solo is uh, Wolf Mother, White Unicorn. Okay. Oh, is the name of the band White That's Unicorn? awesome name. No, the, band, the name of the band is Wolf Mother. Wolf Mother's the song better. is White Unicorn. So the song is White Unicorn. Yep. I'm into that. What, so that, wow. that band's not around anymore. But, what a name uh, for a song. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good song too. Um, I, I can't remember the last time I've read a book. Um, <laughs> I'm with you, brother. 
It's too busy. Okay. That's, a, that's, a, that's a hard question. That's a hard my, question. Yeah, my dad gave me up for my birthday uh, probably four years ago. About Because um, I used to like read biographies. I used to love that. But, yeah, now I just don't have time or energy because I always fall asleep if I start reading. <laughs> I don't that's blame you. To me. To, I can't get through like yeah, three pages. I haven't got onto audio books yet. Well, I think, I think we're off the hook. I think you got all your questions in there, I buddy? I think so. Yeah, this was good. This I think this is going to be uh, – this is going to be a fun one for our listeners. And I'm so excited that we were able to podcast with Australia. I know. This is like, like the world, world has just opened up to us. Boom. <laughs> Where so, will you go next? What country? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I did once. Once. So I do have to apologize to you because I talked to you like two months ago about doing this. And then it was like, it was just, we just couldn't make it happen with our season. And um, during that time, once you expressed interest, I'm like, we need to have the landscapes and pancakes international international edition so if any of our listeners out there want to hear from somebody in a different country we would love to make that happen so let's make that happen including you my friend let us know please yeah will do so let's just tell the people where we can um find you yes. so you can go to instylegardens.com.au right and then you're on instagram at instyle underscore gardens and then is there yep. anything else we should throw out there uh, nah, that's, yeah, I'll spend most of my time on Instagram. Like we've got the Facebook as well, but all I do is just copy what I post on Instagram right. onto there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I enjoy being on Instagram and replying to messages on there. Um, and yeah, the website, or if you're in Australia, you'll be able to see us on the, the TV show, The Block in oh, probably right. about six weeks. Excellent. Um, so that's like a Renault show where we do the landscaping on one of the properties. Cool. So that's a pretty intense time. What was that experience like, and how long did you have yeah. to do this? So there, I don't know any uh, examples I've got to compare it to shows that you've got in the US, but it's like a Renault show. There's five houses and five teams, so for, or five couples. So there's like husband and wife, father and daughter, a couple of friends, that sort of thing, and they have to renovate a, a house, and we go in, in um, and it's a, a week per room. Um, and yeah, we did the landscaping. We did it last year for the first time, and it was insane. And this year was even worse. Like, it was. We worked. There was two weeks we were there. The first week worked ninety-three hours, and the second week was one hundred and six hours. Oh my goodness! In six days. Wow. So, wow. But yeah, but what the um, the what we created was the best design, the best gardens we've built. So I'm looking forward to that going to air, so then I'll be able to post the photos of it. Good for you, man. Awesome. Now with that tight crazy schedule were you able to actually build everything with integrity i always wonder that about these shows uh i wouldn't buy any of the houses that are on the show <laughs> i love the truth <laughs> man because we're all thinking it we're all thinking it watching the shows uh, only because i can't afford it that's the only reason I'm ah, okay. right right but right. the designs are probably all to die for right i mean everything's probably just beautiful and state-of-the-art yeah, like they're going to sell for over three million each, I think. Um, the months after the show stops fixing up any errors, so th- so it's all fine by the time it it gets sold. I got gotcha. you. Little cosmetic things here and there. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Bound well, to happen. I was gonna say, Joel, I'm a little worried about you because I think you're working too hard. I think you're working too much, and so I just want to make sure that you take time for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> See your wife once in a while. <laughs> and well, we're going to go on holiday soon, but. I can't do that, so. Oh, Oh, that's true. May as well work. 
Thank you so much for taking the time for getting up early on a Sunday morning when I know you get up early every day um, <laughs> to have this conversation with us. We really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. And go Patriots. We'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk after the game. We'll talk we, some smack when you wake over up. Instagram. Don't be afraid to now give it to me. A message. <laughs> All right, brother. And I want to thank you guys for doing the podcast too, because I like listening to landscaping podcasts. So it's good to have people actually producing them. So thank you for that. Awesome. And it's it's like no work at all, right, Samantha? No, it's, it's really it's a breeze. It's it's fine. Plenty of time to do this. <laughs> and this is that's why we didn't do one all summer. Right. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Thanks, awesome. man. Thank you everyone for listening. Please be sure to follow us at landscapes and pancakes underscore podcast on Instagram. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment where you listen to this podcast. And as always, check out our work and progress on magmadesigngroup.com and magmadesigngroup on Instagram.